It's the week of January 13th, and this is MASHCAST number 111. Another edition of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I'm Jarrett, and I'm here with Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? And Joel Couture. And a special screw to my cat. The shit on the floor. I'm not particularly mad at anything this week. Three days is not enough to get mad about something. You should be mad at your internet connection right now, because you sound terrible. (laughs) Maybe I'm just sick. Uh, no, I, d- oh, I was gonna say make a terrible joke there, but you were gonna kick me off the call instantly. <laughs> well, I'm looking at your camera right now, and it looks like a bad surveillance video. Like any minute, I expect like somebody in the background to rob a mini mart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get jacked for my video games. I'll be on like deadliest police chases. Like this crazy asshole got in his car and went after him. He stole his Earthbound. Oh, well, it's worth it, right? Super Nintendo games will cut you. Wow. Balls and face in no particular order. <laughs> okay. Such. Uh yeah, you so, yeah, we yeah, we sound like we we have you phoning in like some type of like expert on that like and you're using like a, a flip phone right now. Oh god. I'm pretty sure it'll clear up. Um but yeah, this is Mashcast number one eleven. Uh and if this you are not Tripping. This is the second mash cast in a week. Uh, we had some technical difficulties last week, uh, and um, just wasn't able to get the mash cast up. So we got a mash cast out on Monday, and now we get the mash cast on Friday. And now everything's back in order. Once a week until we decide to take another couple weeks off, which apparently happens at random. We plan these things, by the way. We plan when we're gonna have the time off, and then like you know, one week goes by, then slips into two weeks, then three weeks. We're terrible people. That's what's actually happening here. Shit is constantly out of hand. It, it is. It's unbelievable. Because um, it's on my... Because my cat <laughs> shit on my floor. God damn it. Joel's a little upset about that today. I'm a lot upset about that. <laughs> Dark in my house at night. <laughs> that is not what I want to hear. Sorry, Joel. Sorry. Anyway... The poo cast. It is not. It's running in overtime. Oh, God. Let's get into what everybody's been playing. Nick has been dying for weeks to talk about what he's been playing. Uh, and because we've been missing podcasts, he uh, he has not. He's been playing something besides WoW. So, everybody, please turn your attention to Nick Zellenkevich. Uh, thank you. Um, well, actually, I played, I guess, really three things besides WoW. Um, the first thing I did, I'll, I'll get this out of the way quickly. I actually got myself a uh, an Xbox controller to plug into my uh, PC, so now I can enjoy all my great PC games with a controller. Well, there you uh, go. 
which may not sound like a big deal, but uh, for some of the games like Rogue Legacy, uh, playing deal. that with a controller versus uh, using the mouse and the keyboard, it's a compl- it's a completely different game. It's a lot easier um, because it's it's fundamentally designed, you know, for the jumping and the moving, which you know a controller does perfectly. So, um, so I've been doing that. Um, I've been so I've been playing Rogue Legacy. That's that's been good. I'm making progress there. I played uh, Legend of Dungeon, which is one of the other reasons I got the controller, and I and I liked it when I played it at PAX last year, and it still seems like it's a good, interesting game. But as far as like my dungeon crawling roguelike needs, Rogue Legacy kind of meets that. So it's like in the in the little face off of, of Legend of Dungeon versus Rogue Legacy, like Rogue Legacy gets the nod. That's not to say that Legend of Dungeon is bad. Um, it, you know, it's I just you know it's like at any given time I just choose. Rogue Legacy over the other. Um, so maybe I'll get around to playing a little more Legend of Dungeon at some point in the future. Um, you feel like the co-op in Legend of Dungeon is what's sort of making you lean more towards Rogue Legacy? Like, well, see, that's the, the Legend of Dungeon built more for co-op? That's the, well, that might be the promise, because I play single player a lot of the time. Yeah, so, I mean, you were like, lone wolves. Yeah, so it, it's... I don't know, if I ever see you on Steam, maybe I'll uh, we'll have to see if we can get some Legend of Dungeon going. But just for a single... Pl- for a single. Don't know me. Hmm? You're well, not, and you don't know me because all I talk about is I, shit on the podcast. Jesus Christ, know. Joe, let it go. It happened. <laughs> I'm trying to get it down. You need to just release and let it go. I don't. Well, yeah, That's frankly, bad thing to say around food jokes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I can play with you on Steam because your internet connection is so terrible. It's just but... my shitty webcam, okay? <laughs> yeah, Joel's potato cam. <laughs> I am being filmed by a potato. You have Glados filming you. Asparagus. I drew, uh, a, I drew a mustache on the asparagus. Nice. It's like I'm being filmed God damn it, Joel! Shut your mouth. I was gonna say, is that a Canadian <laughs> joke? No, it has nothing Canadian. It's just stupid. I think <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to get that somehow. There is no getting it. <laughs> it's a silly evening. I see. What? Anything else, Nick? You've been playing anything? I else? also, uh, I also finally got around to playing the Swapper. Uh, I bought it at launch, and then it didn't work with my video card. And at some point in the last four months, they patched it so it would work with my video card. Uh, so I played that, and I beat it. Um, it was pretty good. It felt like it felt like like the gameplay with the concept of the swap gun, um, kind of doing two different purposes as far as either you know making a clone or then shooting your life force into the clone. Um, it felt a little reminiscent of Portal, like where you've got like the you know either you shoot the blue the blue portal or the orange portal, and sort of the you know then you've got these subsequent puzzles that you have to uh, you know rep, you know figure out. Um, but it had it, it had a surprisingly deep plot. Like I really wasn't expecting that, and then the plot kind of snuck up on me. Like I'm just like okay, I'm solving these puzzles, and yeah, there's these rocks that talk and whatnot. And then eventually by the end, I'm like, huh, like it actually had an interesting ending. Um, so if you like, if you like, you know, platformer puzzle games, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, it has a, amazing visuals. Uh, I think we, we, uh, at PAX, we learned that they, they made them, uh, with clay models by hand. So it, it looks, it doesn't look like any other game that's out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd say if you can get it on sale or even, I mean, it's what, $15, I think full price. So, um, you know, either way it's good. Uh, and then finally, the last game that I played, which I got for fifty cents on the uh, the Steam sales, was V V V V V, or is it just V? Uh, it's it's V V V V V. 
Uh, which again, that's another platform. If you want to, at no point do they tell you how to pronounce that. So I just covered my bases. That was awesome. I'm gonna send that clip to the developer. <laughs> this is pronounced. <laughs> think Kevin will oh. appreciate that. Oh god! Oh, but uh, no, that was that. I gotta say that was a, a surprisingly fun game. Again, it's a simple you know, 2D platformer where you just have one mechanic of changing the direction the gravity affects you. And and shit's hard, and the, by the way. Like, I've played it, that. that oh, oh, yeah. God, it's a good game is hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially if you try to get all the little, uh, the, the little, uh, the little prize tokens. Uh-huh. I forget what they're actually called in-game. But there's, like, 20 little challenge tokens you can try to get, and those are super tough. But, yeah, I was able to uh, I beat that uh, again for 50 cents on Steam. You know, great great price it was a great game um you know the graphics are kind of basic it really it, f- it felt like playing something on the old commodore 64 really um it had that kind of feel to it because the colors were all very like 8-bit and the the character design was super simple um so now I, I you know between that and the swapper like my platforming puzzle games were needs have been met over the last few weeks i recommend both of them if you can get them um i you know highly enjoyable by v- <laughs> Perfect soundbite if they do any trailers on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. V- two. <laughs> v- uh, okay. Uh so that's that that's all you that's that's it for you, Nick? Uh yeah, and Wow and Hearthstone, but Okay. Yeah. Alright, and that's pretty much gonna be Nick's uh playlist for the whole year. He's he's played so many <laughs> games, like he's like, oh, I'm done for the year now. I'm proud of him. Yeah. Played some platformers. Good job, Nick. <laughs> All right, what about you, Joel? What you been playing? Well, you might have seen the old Dimension 2 review go up. Uh, I have not played that since the review went up. I feel no need to continue playing it because the list of problems is large. Um, if you're developing a PC game and you don't put mouse sensitivity bar in there, set yourself on fire and then just wait for death. Just please do that. Because that was the most frustrating shit on earth. I didn't think it would bug me that much, but it's very sensitive. Like it's just to like turn the camera in that game. So like all day long, I am not looking at the creatures because every time I just twitch my mouse a little bit, I'm aiming completely away from them. So it was impossible to fight anything. So it was just driving me nuts. And like any other game would have like a little slider. It's like, let's turn this down a little bit. So it just seemed like a really simple problem that didn't need to exist. But it was still in there. Um, but the, I don't know. I might be asking a bit much of a... Like, the Dimension series, it's it's part... It's Dimension 2. The, uh, the original 1 and 2 first came out on DS, if you've never played them. And they're pretty impressive on the DS, just because, like, at the time, I didn't really expect the DS to be capable of handling a shooter in any way. But, you know, it worked pretty good. And, I mean, you just point the stylus at things you want to kill, so it's very simple to aim. Right. I guess it just didn't transfer over all that well. Also, because this is a port of a DS game, it's kind of really, really ugly. Like, horrible ugly. Like, backed-up toilet ugly. <laughs> okay. Like, like, what, what kind of Yeah, what kind of ugly is that? Because I'm not 100% familiar with that. Let's not talk about it. Okay, okay. It's... It's just uh, uh, the these these character models like, just like some of like there's like some floating head enemies and it's just like it's like all like eyeball and like weird shapes to it, 
it's just I really didn't like it. It's the sort of thing like they would put like you could tell these were like enemies on a small screen. They want to put a lot of detail on them so they would be noticeable on a small screen. The stuff just didn't blow up well. It just doesn't look that good on a larger TV or even like a medium sized TV. Mm-hmm. So it just it just really unpleasant to look at on top of everything else. And it's such a heavy brown game. Like it takes place in like a dungeon. And then this weird, like, village for some reason. It's just so brown and drab and just, ugh. Sound wasn't much better. Just, like, no ability to set mood with, like, creepy music. Like, they had a couple of decent tracks, but anytime an enemy would show up, this one stupid loop would play. So, A, the enemies couldn't scare you because you always heard them coming. And, B, that loop was always interrupting the tension music. So, like, it made it impossible to set a mood. It just... Hmm. Uh, I just I, I really didn't enjoy any aspect of it. I don't think. Just uh, it, sure it's functional, but that's really all I can say about it. Like it works, but just bleh. Hmm. And uh, but I did play something to cheer myself up. I played a, a little prop hunt in Gary's mod. I'd never heard of this before. Have you guys heard of this? No. Um, well, Gary's mod, yes, but prop, no. Okay. Prop Hunt uh, has a, one team is just a couple of combine with like shotgun, machine gun, and crowbar. The other team uh, can turn into any object in the environment by walking up to it and clicking on it. And the combine's job is to figure out what object you are by like running around and hitting things. But if you hit the wrong thing, you take five damage, like you take a couple of damage, you take five for hitting something with the crowbar, more with like the shotgun. So you have to carefully go through the environment and like nudge things to see if they'll move. It was this weird psyching out game where all of a sudden you'll see a lamp just tear off. Like, I got you now, you <laughs> son of a bitch. And then all of a sudden you're chasing a lamp. Like, I was trying to figure out what the hell the game was while watching a couple of buddies play it. And all of a sudden I saw this like watermelon running around. Like, what the hell is going on here? Just, It's just a really ridiculous fucking game. Like describing it doesn't do it any justice. Just look up Prop Hunt on YouTube. But you, have to, have, but you have to have Gary's mod to play it. Yeah. And preferably some Counter-Strike source so it can pull things from that. Because otherwise it tends to flip out. Mm. Now, That's all I've been doing. Once you're a lamp or a watermelon, are you stuck as a lamp or a watermelon? Or can you, no, like, you can then change. change to something else? You oh, okay. Change. So you can just, you can just, so the trick is to just keep morphing and staying one step ahead of whoever. Yeah, or be getting really good at pretending to be, like, a bed or something. Okay. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> it's, it ends up looking really goddamn silly. I'm a tree. Yeah, you got to be believable. Gotcha. Sometimes we'll back right into you. <laughs> I don't know. It just ends up looking ridiculous. It's a ridiculous game. So it's like it's hide and laps. seek, basically. Shotguns and lamp people. Because I found I found I would get bored as like an object, so I like start to like look for them to see what they were doing, and I'd always get fucking caught. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't you just like turn into an object and then just like leave your computer like if you don't touch the mouse like like oh there's a pylon over there like nobody's ever gonna look, look at it. and if you don't move like they'll never find you you could but they might get you they might get you i mean it's just a game you play for stupid fun i mean i think if you really want to get good and win at prop hunt you're kind of dumb and missing the point but <laughs> pretty high on the old prop hunt leaderboards I don't know about you guys, but I am the best goddamn oil drum on the planet. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that's an accomplishment. Because there's somebody somewhere that's not good at anything. Yeah. You're good (laughs) at being an oil drum. 
he wishes he was an oil drama. <laughs> okay. Anything else? No, that's it. What are you even playing? Nothing. <laughs> like I've been Nothing like on that fancy Mario D 3DS you got to replace your other one. I mean, I got. I, I mean, I talked about Pokemon before. I had to rebuy Pokemon. I rebought my 3DS. Um, so I, I got new stuff to replace my old stuff that got stolen, but uh, I haven't played anything new. I they actually on the new 3DS. Um, the Mario Luigi Dream Team came with it. And I just have not had a chance to play it. Um, or I'll put it like this. I haven't played it because I've just been playing Pokemon. <laughs> like, that's that's pretty much it. Pokemon <laughs> is stopping me from playing anything else. That's so right. Have it. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much how it works. <laughs> are you, are you, how close are you to uh, catching them all? Very, very far. Very far. I'm actually re- I'm going back through the game through parts um, that I, I have already been through. I'm not even back up to where I was. Um, so, I mean, it's not. I'm not bored, but I'm kind of re-examining things as they happen. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'm like, okay, yeah, she wants the D. Like, yeah, so like, that's that's kind of how it's going. I clearly so. haven't gotten that far in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my friend, uh, my friend, uh, who she got one over Christmas, she, uh, she's she's playing a girl character, and I want I need to ask her some questions about certain things that happen in the game, because, um, to my not I I don't think Nintendo would put the whole, like you know actually no maybe I'm just reading too deep into it. There's a part in the game I'm pretty sure you got to this part of Rachel because it's pretty early where you're with. Um, like you're with one of the, one of the kids you know. She's a chick, and she says, oh, "I know this moment's gonna be special because I'm here with you, and I'm a guy character." So that insinuates some type of relationship there or some type of feelings. But she, technically speaking, could say the same exact thing to a female character, and that's that. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think Nintendo yeah. would do something like that. So, like, do they interchange it with a boy? I don't know. I, don't I know, wasn't I to... paying much attention. I was all like, "Bitch, get out of the way! I gotta catch some Pokemans." Oh, okay. The part with the fireworks—you <laughs> know what I'm talking about? No, I, I don't remember it. I don't remember it all because I was like, "Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up!" Why are you fucking talking to me? What Stop. does this have you to do with me skip catching the fireworks, Pokemon? though? I know, but I can walk away and take shit, and then come back and hope for, the, it's all for the five seconds that they play fireworks. Joel, you're ridiculous. Whatever. It'll wait on a dialogue box. It's not like, oh, shiny Rayquaza is going to show up while during these fireworks. You get one chance to catch it, but Joel <laughs> got the ball, so he should just kill himself. Oh, okay. Goddamn Pokemon. I always want to talk. Would you like to learn how to catch a Pokemon? It's like, I have extras in the, the, the PC box. No, I would not like to learn how to catch Pokemon. Let's just run you through it. Why do those games even talk anymore? Because there's new people playing it? Not everybody. Been, not everybody's been playing it since '98. They don't need to be talked to. They don't need to know about comfy shorts or like best ratatas or anything like that. I didn't need to know that shit when I first played it. Uh... Goddamn gamers needing their storylines. <laughs> Catch monsters, make monsters fight each other. The end. See, Peter hates you, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but other than I make that, my I mean... cats fight in battle royales around here. <laughs> they have not learned any powers yet, but I suspect <laughs> they will when they evolve. 
Gotcha. Yeah, see, I haven't, um... Other than that, other than playing Pokemon, I really haven't played anything else. Um, I think... I've I, I played a little Payday, um... Payday 2. I think I talked about Payday before on the podcast. So I don't want to bring it back up. Um, other than that, like, things... There's things in motions here on the site that will come to light very soon. You guys already know about them. But, uh, new things are happening. Just been very busy. So I haven't planned much. Even though we did manage to have, like, a five-minute conversation about Pokemon and Joel Hayden's dialogue. I just, I just want to go catch monsters and make monsters fight. That's it. I, I don't want to talk about these kids. Do these kids about their feelings? Because yeah. I don't care. It's going to be a special day with me. Bitch, get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um. So let's see. Let's get on to our topic, shall we? Uh, we were preparing the match cast, and then some, some news flew across my desktop saying that the Nintendo 3DS uh, was the top-selling system of 2013. So yay Whoa. for Nintendo. And I'd like, I'd like everybody to go back and remember a time, I don't know, what was it, 2011? When uh, everybody was spelling doom and gloom for Nintendo because the 3D nobody wanted the 3DS and it wasn't that good of a device, they should have uh, take you know made it more powerful like the Vita was going to be because that's been working out great. Don't get me wrong, the Vita's fine. I love my Vita. Actually, I like my Vita oh, yeah. more than I like my 3DS to be honest with you. But oh, still, yeah, so Nintendo once again showing they are the king of handheld games and why. Yeah. Uh, they sold 11.5 million units. Yeepers. Is that counting the new 2DS, or is that just the 3DS? That's, that says 3DS. Nintendo 3DS. Holy Good job, fellas. Yeah, so... And that's... It just kind of... I mean, it just kind of brings up, like, you know... Everybody's... They're, they're, once again, they're poo-pooing the, uh, the Wii U. And it just takes time sometimes. Yeah, once Nintendo gets its big titles out, all of a sudden everybody buys a system. Exactly, yeah. The Nintendo lives off of first party. So and Hell, I've bitched about it, unfoundedly. Yeah, like Nintendo lives well, off of first party. So, yeah. I mean, Pokemon and like Link to the a Link Between Worlds this year, just like big, big console movers. Animal Crossing. I, I heard people talking about Animal Crossing that don't talk about other Nintendo games. So yeah, that... Or- that's a like franchise with games, a big, really. big shelf life. Yeah. Like, I, like m- my Twitter feed was polluted with Animal Crossing. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I've never seen a game just take over like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that says a lot for Nintendo. They still know how to do it. <laughs> they yeah. still got it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, like... I bought a, like, a $200 console twice for one game. <laughs> Twice. You gotta put that in your Nintendo rewards letter to them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, Pokemon. I, I bought a system for Pokemon, and I, I'm, of course I'm gonna enjoy other other Nintendo um, products. Like eventually, I will play. I will play. You know, Dream Team. I'm gonna get the Mario that just came out. So, and I'm going to start catching up on, uh, so they actually, didn't they release Star Fox, like, 3DS? 
Yeah, I think so. They re-released yeah, Star Fox 64. Okay. Fucking godly. Oh, yeah. I love that game. Oh, yeah, I love Star. I have never beat the shit out of a game so much than I did Star Fox 64. Like, there oh, was, my God. There was literally nothing left for me to do in that game when I finally put it down. That's insane, man. I uh, Like, that that one stage where, like, Great Fox was flying and the missiles were coming at it, if you missed one, it was, like, too bad, back to the shitter path with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you get one shot at it. Oh, my God. Some of those challenge missions. Those, uh, those rings, like, those rings you got for getting, like, the perfect on each, uh, each um, planet. All of my planets had the rings around them. Good. Every Good. last one. I've never beat the shit out of a game so much like I you, did Star Fox 64. You are Fox McCloud. God damn right I am. I am your slippy toe then. I'm yeah. sorry. I saw <laughs> everyone everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is one of the worst characters. He's Oh my god. Yeah, I just kind of, you just want him to die sometimes, but that just... I that, shoot at him whenever he zips across my screen. <laughs> Yeah, some, sometimes he gets a little saucy you just want him to die yeah so I hurry things along I don't <laughs> even know what the boss's life meter is don't care <laughs> shoot it till it dies there you go thanks Slippy it always sounds like a strategy but uh yeah so 3DS top selling system of 2013 of course I mean it's, it was going to sell more than the Xbox One and the PS4 um, simply because I mean what they were only out for two months yeah but still, I mean, it says a lot uh, when you have you still have the Xbox 360 out and selling. You have yeah, the but, Wii U out and selling. Oh, what is it, Nick? What well, is it? Say, well, no, you figure uh, for the PS3 and the Xbox 360, they're end of life. Nobody's going to be buying those because they're going to be waiting for the uh, they're going to be waiting for the PS4 and the Xbox One. So it's kind of like in in a way, it's it's like Sony and Microsoft had no dogs in this hunt. So really, the only console it was competing with was well, I guess I should take that back. Uh, None of the none of the uh, the the the, uh, the consoles were really there because uh, uh, Sony did have the Vita that could have competed. Um, but then what? I guess what the the Ouya was out since March or a- April if you count that. Nobody's counting uh, the Ouya. Nobody. <laughs> Nick, you're the Falco of this group now. By the way, just keep going with their Fox Star Fox thing. Yeah, I like Falco. No, but uh, well, there you go. The there we go. Works. I'm, happy, I'm happy with that. Yeah. No, and then what? You had the Shield that was out since like June or July. Yeah, but and, yeah, we all knew that wasn't gonna, that wasn't going to compete in the handheld market. I mean, uh, so. that's kind of its own thing right now. But still, like, there's tons of people still buying 360s now, 360s and PS3s. Parents, <laughs> parents are buying that for their younger kids. Yeah, and they'll be flipping them on freaking Craigslist in a couple months for like way too much money. Like I just spent all this money on this system. Why would you buy it? Yeah. So I mean, like this, this still, like, it's still, it's pretty impressive that they outsold everybody. And then, like I said, it's, it's just that, that Nintendo thing. Everybody is, everybody's calling for their death and telling them they need to change and telling them that they need to stop being a hardware company and go software. Specifically, Nintendo should, Nintendo should keep doing what they're doing, which is being unique. Okay, yeah. I mean, if it doesn't work out for them, it doesn't work out for them. I mean, worst comes the worst. One day, maybe they will go software. But they're not going to take that option until they absolutely need to. And it won't be too late. Because nobody's going to sit here and tell me if Nintendo finally decides... There's a, a, a too late... There's like a a point of no return for Mario going being on the Xbox. Or the PS3. Or PS4, I should say. There's, you can't tell me that if they came out too late 
then you're going to say, oh, no, too late for that. We found a better platformer than Mario, a better 3D platformer. And I don't, there's no need for Mario anymore. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. You know? So, Nintendo tipping their hat. You know, letting everybody know, yep, we're still here, still alive, and still the handheld king. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's, uh, what else we got going on here? Ah, SimCity offline mode. It's been about 10 months. <laughs> I was going to say, are we are we doing archaeology now? Like, why are we talking about, like, <laughs> old games? Yeah, it's it's been like a... I... They Contra Contra Super C has a two player mode too, I hear. <laughs> so it's been about ten months since SimCity came out. Horrible launch. Um oh, uh, as bad as the Diablo three launch was, this was worse. It okay. was. It was it was amusing to watch. Yeah, it, it was inside, worse. Though. And we were constantly told that well it's impossible or it's not impossible, but it'll be well actually no. At first we told it was we were told it was impossible them to make the offline mode. Then we said it's not impossible. We heard it was not impossible, but it'll be very difficult for them to do the offline mode. And now here it is, the offline mode. Ten months too late. Well, that's the problem. It was so difficult. It took them. It actually took them six months to do it because I think they said they started working on it in August. But they had integrated the the netcode so deep into that game that to go through and rewrite all the systems. And admittedly, I don't know how big the development team was. It could have theoretically just been one guy going back line by line trying to remove that. But um, no, guess what? That's probably it. Like, there's there's somebody, there's a body hanging from the Maxis like the roof right now. <laughs> <laughs> if that yeah. was the case, no, but, but I mean, to to their credit, if you say like this is a very arduous task, it's going to be difficult to do, and then it takes an exceedingly long time. That doesn't disprove your original point. Oh no, um, no, no! It does, well, the, no, the, the, the original point was that it was. That the online component was so like it was so imperative for the vision of SimCity, that vision that one a lot of people didn't want, and two a lot of people didn't even get to play. There's so many people that had SimCity that couldn't get it to work within the first two weeks. They just said fuck it. Like dude, like if a game doesn't work for me within the first week, I'm not fucking with that game anymore. Like I'm not gonna sit there and try to and try to for the most part try to fix, it, especially if it's a. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. If it's an issue that we that the developer has has said, yes, we know this is a problem and we're working on it. I'm not even going to bother with the game anymore. And there's a good chance I'll miss the news when they fix it. You know, that's, that's exactly what happened with me in the Swapper. That's that's the only reason. The only reason I played the Swapper was I just arbitrarily one day was like, oh, I wonder if this is working now. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I wasn't checking to see if they had you know issued any patches or anything. When it first came out, I log, you know, I logged in. I, I was paying attention to see if they had patched the problem. They said I don't even remember if they said there were plans to fix it at the time. But uh, eventually, like you know, the, you know, a few weeks ago, I just happened to you know open it up. It worked, and I was like, hey, great! Now I got a new game I can play. So I mean, maybe you know, to a degree, that's the same kind of thing. Like you know, maybe there are people who bought SimCity, you know, way back when, tried to play it, gave up on it. Now they can enjoy it to their offline heart's content. Yeah, if they ever go back to it. Well, hopefully. Well, the thing is, you know, unlike the Swapper, like this is making the news rounds. I mean, we're talking about it. You know, I've seen, you know, headlines on several of the sites talking about it. You know, hopefully, if you're a SimCity fan, this is, you know, on your radar. Because otherwise, otherwise, you're probably getting your fix. You're still playing, what was it, SimCity 4? Is that the, was that the one that everybody went back to? Or SimCity 4000? So, yeah. yeah, like SimCity 4. 
So I don't know. I reach points in games where if something makes me angry enough, that's all I can think about when I go to pick the game back up again. And if I can imagine one game making people feel these feelings, it'd be the SimCity crap. Like just remembering all that rage and stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe some people will be happy they can finally play their $60 game 10 months later. But... <laughs> well, it's better 10 months later than never because you didn't get a refund. There was no mm-hmm. class action lawsuit. No. Now, yeah, I think this is, I mean, I'm sure some people will definitely play it. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll get back into it and check it out. But this, first of all, this should have been something that should have been included with the game in the first place. Yes. Like, what kind of world do you think we live in where it's just, you know, nobody wants to do single player? Let's not even do it. You know? Like, what kind, like, why, like, I, it still baffles me why it's it's still like why that was an issue. Like it, it's just sorry, it doesn't baffle me. I think it's it was an anti piracy move. That's what it really feels like. That's what I think it was. It was an anti piracy move uh, that they want they want you to be online at, at all the time, but they don't they didn't want it to be considered always online DRM. Oh, it's not always online DRM. It's just the game is always online, even when you're playing by yourself. Ah, no, that's not okay. You know, so um, you know whoever is still uh still wanting to play SimCity, there you go. Offline mode is coming. Update ten. Um, it doesn't say when it's actually going to be out. Uh, but yeah, update ten is gonna be free. It better be. Oh man, imagine if it wasn't free. Holy shit! <laughs> the Maxis building burned down. <laughs> that that'll be the, the next week's smash cast. That, the the Earth would swallow it. Oh, dude, that it would have been terrible, terrible. <laughs> but any, I think if it wasn't free, would anybody care? Like, just don't buy it then. Like, they'll have spent all this ten ten months, this single guy working on this code for naught. Well, yeah, people would care because it's like, okay, first of all, the game doesn't work to the to the degree that I wanted to. And now you want to charge me to fix a game? Like no, that has, that that says that has antitrust like all over it, doesn't it? Well, see, I don't know if it's I don't know if you're charging them to to. I mean, technically the game works now. It's just you're adding a feature and features, even though technically you're just dis- you're really sort of disabling features by uh by allowing it to you know run independently but you know this being an added feature you could justify saying hey we we had to pay that one guy for all that time you know so five dollars from a handful of people you know help you know go to the family since he's hanging from the maxis sign (laughs) nick he always tries to turn a frown upside down (laughs) sounds more like a frown into a bigger frown yeah, that's actually one. I can see doing it because they're really greasy. But my god, just because like there are some people who'll be like, "Well, I spent sixty dollars on it. It doesn't work. I'd rather spend five more dollars on it and get it functioning." Just God, that's so terrible, though. That is it, that that is terrible. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, like I guess they, if if there is if there is anything wrong with this patch, we will hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> there is no doubt. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. We will. There will be no other news. Yeah. So, uh, but let's see. Let's let's move on to our next topic. Um, some good news, I guess, for developers, especially since some of the ones that we talked to, uh, 
didn't necessarily uh, enjoy, um, well, not enjoy, but uh, really like the way Greenlight was working, or seeing Greenlight the way it worked. Uh, but Greenlight, I guess in its current form, is going away, according to Gabe Newell. Uh, Valve is having their Steam Dev Days conference in Seattle, which no press is able to get into. It's devs only. Uh, but some news came out that uh, Gabe said, and here's the quote, our goal is to make Greenlight go away. Uh, not because it's not useful, but because we're evolving. So there... What does that even mean? Um, I guess, the, technically speaking, I guess, what this says to me is that he's not, they don't necessarily want Greenlight to go away. It's more like um, they're going to be improving it, possibly rebranding it and calling it something else. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess that's it. See, when Greenlight first came out, like I thought it was going to be Valve was still going to use their standard method of getting games out, but like smaller developers would have a chance to get noticed due to Greenlight. I thought that's the way it was going to work, but you know, after talking to some of the devs that we've had you know interviews with, that's definitely not the case. It's like almost everything goes through Greenlight, and I, I guess unless you're just big enough. To, to not have to go through, like, if you're an EA, well, I'm sorry, EA doesn't put their stuff on uh, Steam anymore, but, like, unless you're, like, a Ubisoft or a THQ, rest in peace, you know, or somebody <laughs> like that, I think that that's when um, you don't really need to go through Greenlight. Uh, but, yeah, like, it just, it, well, I don't know, I don't like to call it a nightmare, but most of the people that we talked to did not like using it. And then even from, like, I guess a, a media standpoint, like, I'm getting just getting so many press releases. Like, oh, yeah, here's uh, the press release for our green light. Here's the press release for our Kickstarter. You know, and that's pretty much your day. Like, you get so much email from it. You know, that's that's totally a first world problem. Oh, my God, my email box is so full. <laughs> no, but seriously. Too much green light. Yeah, it, I think it, it just... It, it, it it pushed game marketing into overdrive or, or part of it. Like, usually with indie devs, you didn't have this huge, like... I mean, you have marketing pushes and stuff like that, but, like, the level of um, effort that the, it feels like the devs have to put into it, unless they hire a company, to get get to get these, like, marketing campaigns done, it, it was definitely more, I, I would say. At least it felt like it uh, from all the emails like and stuff like that we were getting, so... Oh. Part of the pro- oh, go ahead, Nick. Uh, part of the problem with it was the whole premise that it ostensibly it was never explicitly outlined. This is what you have to do to get greenlit. It was like you, be, you know, you got your, you, you know, you had your your game entered into greenlight, and then you just kind of sat there and you know accruing votes ostensibly, but they never told you what was the threshold votes that you needed to hit to get that. So you just kind of languished there. You know, hopefully, you know, you know, mo- if anything, that motivated, you know, these developers to keep, you know, pumping out those press releases to kind of keep, you know, drumming up interest. Because eventually, if they can hit this secret magic number, and it's not even clear if there was a secret magic number that, you know, that applied across the board, or if it was like you had to have a certain number of votes and then these other criteria met. But, you know, to that to that degree, it it all it did was it just encouraged you know, developers to, you know, generate interest in their games, which is good because I guess it's good for Valve in the sense that they know that when they release a game, it has, you know, this many, you know, X number of people who have said that they, you know, will, will at least consider buying it, I guess, because you can vote for a game on Greenlight and have no intention of actually buying it. Yep. But at least, you know, it, it's sort of, 
Exactly. So it ensures to them that, you know, whatever games they're approving has a certain level of, fan, you know, community interest that they can rely on uh, for projecting sales. But beyond that, it was never, it, it, it I mean, it, I think Valve, I th- Valve, I think always knew that Greenlight was a temporary stopgap, that they knew that they're looking to come up with, I think, an automated, almost community driven way of getting content into steam it seems like they really don't want to you know for as much as they run steam it seems like this isn't something that they really want to have any you know hand in and so you know look like green light seemed like the first iteration of well how can we kind of step back from that process and you know let the fans kind of you know upvote uh, you know items and and go from there and i think I think if you would ask Gabe, you know, at Greenlight's inception, like, you know, does, you know, does Greenlight have a, you know, a date of expiration on it? He would have, he would have said the same thing that it'll evolve into something else. But so, so, I mean, I, I guess, you know, in, in a way this isn't news, but in a way it, it is, it is news, but we don't have, you know, we don't really have a date for when it's going to change. I guess whenever they come up with what they, you know, where they see this going is, is sort of the next, the next step in the process. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're giving out Steam machines to like these select devs that they've invited out, as it means more that they're just sort of going to take a direct hand in things than rather than let the sort of the public continue to vote. Whether they they've sort of got a feel for what people want now, or like the stranger things that people want from indies, and they're just going to look into it themselves. Like I, I don't know, I just really have no idea how they're going to change this or so now. Yeah, I mean, because the the voting process seemed pretty cut and dry from the user mm-hmm. perspective. I think what, especially what developers are looking for, um, at least the ones that we talked to, they're looking for more transparent way to say, like you know, as like a benchmark of whether how close their game was to being um, to being greenlit. You know, what act, how many, how many votes do they actually need? You know, because be, I mean, also oh, go ahead. As you say, that seems like that's rife for, uh, you know, like sparking controversy. Like, oh, hey, we only need a thousand votes on green light. Maybe if we can just buy those off under the table from some group somewhere, you know, I don't know. Not not that there's a group that's selling steam votes now, but I think if that economy existed um, or, you know, if, if, if that if, if that me- mechanism existed where, yeah, you could tell how many votes away you were, you could then kind of go out and get, you know, buy that. I'm sure there's a black market for that somehow. Yeah, if not, we can make it. I mean. <laughs> we're pretty entrepreneurial yeah like you know now Nick's bringing it up like, yeah that sounds like a great idea black market green light <laughs> yeah, green light votes uh, we got those votes man <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know man I, I'm curious to see what they do from a user perspective because I think voting is the voting is fine like it makes sense and you know but from from like you know I guess the backside of it like, you know st- Steam to developer it, it's a bit different so um well I guess we'll, we'll just keep up with that and see what they do Valve typically doesn't let things like that linger for too long so I can't imagine it's gonna be like you know past 2014 and we're still using Greenlight uh well who knows maybe he was just speaking like yeah I kind of want to get rid of Greenlight and we're working on it but they don't have anything for it yet so who knows. We'll see what happens. Um, but speaking of Steam, actually, while we're on the topic of Steam, uh, there is a, a developer. Uh, who, well, I'll put it to you like this. Um, 
the developer or the creator of Castle Doctrine, he says that sales are bad for players and devs. Now, as of now, the only people I've really heard echo that sentiment were people from like EA, <laughs> you know, when they were talking about the lack of sales on Origin versus, you know, the sales on Steam. And it's kind of like, well, you know why they're saying that. But um, John uh, Rower, which I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, he actually brings up a pretty valid point, or points, I should say. Uh, but he basically says that, the, you know, the culture of sales, um, or I shouldn't say the culture of sales, but the way uh, sales ha- uh, have affected the gaming culture at this point is bad for players and developers. Uh, and from a player perspective, he says it's it's not fair to your fans uh, that pay full price for your game. It's because when you put a game out, a lot of people are just going to wait for the sale. And we've all heard that a lot, you know. Like, in my opinion, Bioshock Infinite was worth every penny. Full price, 60 bucks, worth every penny. And I'll talk to people about how great the game is, and they were just like, I'll just wait for a sale. And they will just sit there and wait for a sale. You know, same thing with Max Payne and stuff like that. Well, go ahead. I wonder how many of those people who say they're going to wait for a sale would have ever paid full price, though. Like, I know there's, it's definitely, there are some people who are going to wait for a good deal um, now with, with like, the prevalence of Steam sales. But uh, I, I don't know. I just, I think there's a whole group that say it would, wouldn't wouldn't pay it full price anyway. And, I mean, you, you're at least getting these people from having these sales. Well, that's true. There's, there, there are a lot of people who wouldn't buy games unless they're on sale. But the people I'm talking about, if there wasn't a sale, if they, what, there wasn't a prospect of a sale, they just buy the game. It's not mm. like they're hurting for the cash. They, they, yeah. they would just buy the game, but instead they just wait. Um, I kind of wonder who there's more of. I guess it's hard to find research for this stuff, but I don't know. I wonder which is, there's more. Well, that, this is why Valve has an in-house economist. But, I mean, fundamentally, it, this is sort of the great question of all, you know, of, of econ- economics, you know, with the, the supply-demand chart. And you've got the little line of, you know, this is how demand works as, you know, as the price goes up. And this is how supply works as the price goes up. And, you know, you look for that little uh, the point of equilibrium, which is where you get the most revenue because you're selling the most number of units at the highest possible price before it starts to go back down. I mean, and that's that's sort of the great mystery for all developers um, as far as trying to trying to project, you know, given the market, you know, what, what's the curve? You know, where can I sell sell my goods i mean fundamentally he's not wrong that yes especially you know you you know for any for any you know any developer and this applies to the big ones as well is that you have these fans that are rapidly waiting for your game and you you know you come out with the game at launch at you know full price and you know they rush out to buy it and they're hurt because they were they're such rabid fans of your game that they will pay you know sixty dollars or you know even more for a collector's edition or even more for like you know a black market edition if your game has you know unusually low demand for some reason um and and so you know it's it is unfair especially in a world of digital distribution where supply is not an issue um you know to to be you know, in a way, punishing the people who are most excited about your game, the people who are most interested in it. But it's sort of like the flip side of that is as the person selling the game, that's what he wants. That's what he should want. He should, you know, this is his, this is his chance to make money. And, and to a degree, 
you know, you have to, you know, you have to live off those people. So to get them excited enough that they're willing to pay, you know, if, if you know the effectively the first buyer's premium, to get them excited enough to actually pay that price and to want to pay that price, to willingly and excitedly pay that price. I mean, that's what he wants. Every, you know, as much as it's nice for him to say, "Hey, you know, I love that there's these people interested in my game and I'm willing to, you know, give them a half price discount for, you know, s- signing up early." You know, as not, as much as it's nice for him to say that, on the other hand, all those, you know, whatever, again, you know, looking at the curves, but, you know, however many of those people that would willingly pay, you know, twice that to get access to the game or more, that's money that he's taken off his, his, his dinner table. And so, I mean, I, I, I understand what he's saying. And it's nice to hear a developer coming at this from the perspective of the player and the, you know, the, and the consumer and not the, you know, not the manufacturer, but like that's kind of why the economy works itself out especially you know fundamentally the way the you know in a perfectly elastic economy it, you know he comes out he releases his game his game is too low selling then you know it's it's you know he sells a bunch he can always raise the price and say you know what i you know i i sold the game too low let me up the price and the next few will you know go at a higher price and i can make some more money or conversely he can say you know what i came out at a high price i didn't sell that much let me you know cut it down until it starts sell- selling again that's you know i mean obviously you know no economy is perfect and that's again that's why we have economists but it's i mean it, it is it is sort of an interesting problem that uh just you know to look at and figure out how much should a game sell for at a certain point in its life well i mean <laughs> typically the trade off of of the sales for triple a titles let's not talk about like oh i'm not sorry we shouldn't say we're not going to talk about indie games but you know um I'm talking about, like, let's say Bioshock Infinite again. Let's talk about uh, AAA titles. Typically, the trade-off of waiting for a sale is that you're going to be waiting for a while. Okay, and I'm not talking about, like, $10 off. I'm talking about, like, half price, typically. You know, for example, like, um, I think, bef- the, like, on Steam, the first time Black Ops went, like, you know, more than $10 off, well, Black Ops 2 uh, was, like, almost a year after it had came out, like, right before Call of Duty uh, 3 had come out. So typically, if you're waiting for a big sale, which most people do, I mean, who's going to say, oh, it's $10 off? Fine, okay, I'll get it now. Like, no, just you just get it in the first place if you wanted it that bad. Uh, so typically, like I said, the, the trade-off is you have to wait. But when you have a game, like this happened with Bioshock Infinite. It came out, and then two months later, uh, there was a sale for uh, where it was 50% off after two months. And that kind of hurt. You know what I'm saying? I was like, because you know the game sold so well. That's the only reason they're selling it for half off right now. The game had to sell incredibly well. So people like you bought the game, and now all these other people get it for half off. After two months. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, though, for that two months, though, you were paying to get in on the conversation. I mean, I remember sitting here on on the. That's not a privilege. That's not a privilege. No, it's not because the game had already came out. I waited till release day. It'll be a different story if I didn't wait to release day and I got the game early. That didn't happen. I waited to release day. I pre-ordered the game. I gave them my money early. Gave them my money early. Pre-ordered the game. Paid the retail price. price. Yeah, yeah pretty full price. Yeah, and, and, it's no, a privilege that I got to play no, it for two no, months for fifty percent no, 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 off. No, it, I'm saying it's a privilege that you and Mikey got to talk about it on the uh, what was it, the first quarter end show. Nick, uh, you're so full of bullshit. It's how is that full funny? Of bullshit? <laughs> I had nothing to say about that game because I hadn't played it at the time. I didn't yeah. buy it until I saw it on sale at Best Buy. 
So no, so you you know, so you got to talk about You're it. One I was of missing them. Out. You're one of them. You're trying to justify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's no, but that, but I mean, fundamentally, that's I mean, because there's there's nothing stopping anybody from saying you know, because again, he's he's entirely right, and especially the way the the game industry overall works is that the longer you wait for a game, most of the games decline in price, especially as applied to digital distribution. You know, you know, obviously, you know, there's certain, you know, when you, when you still look at like, you know, disc based and cartridge based games, you know, as they become more rare, especially the ones that are, you know, beloved, they go up in price because rarity, you know, makes them a commodity. But in this case here, you know, overall, it's like, you know, because as interest wanes, you know, you have to lower the price to keep, you know, to keep getting people interested. Yeah, but that's why I said the trade off is typically you have to wait for a while, two months. Fifty percent off? Well, that's I. I can't speak to why they did that. <laughs> I can tell you why they did that because the game sold so well that they were able to do that. They were able to take fifty percent off it because they had already gotten. They had already figured the the amount of money we're gonna we're like you know this target or this goal we've already we either already hit it or we don't think we're gonna be able to squeeze that much more out of this price because so many people have already bought this game. That could be too. I mean, because I mean, the one thing about Bioshock Infinite in, that doesn't make it your typical game that we're talking about is it had such great word of mouth that you know it had the you know you know the game of the year hype you know coming out of it that you know a lot of people said it could be, and so it's you know it, it's one of those things where you know once you once you get that going it's you know, it becomes free advertising. So I mean you know I, I you know I, I I don't know what the point of them lowering the price so much is. Um, I don't know that that hurt them or not. No, I mean, it, it didn't. The issue really is anybody who is two months at two months out when it goes on sale. Why didn't everybody buy it then? <laughs> everybody should own the game by now. It's it's hell. It, right now, it's actually free on PS Plus. Right, well, that's a different story. That's like Sony yeah. coming up with a deal, you know, yeah, with, yeah. with with, with those just, guys. I'm, so. I'm just saying, at, at this point, it's been on sale enough times and has been available in enough different mediums that everybody should have played it. Joel. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's because I, I don't even know what to tell, what to say to Joel about not playing Bioshock Infinite. I'm sorry, I haven't played Bioshock. I missed the sale. You're shaming Canada right now. Like you're you're Can- you're the Canadian it? representative, and you're shaming it right now. Even the Yukon? Do they yes. even care about me? Yeah, they're gonna be they, they're they're gonna send you a letter. Oh no. Yeah, so. another letter. Yeah, but that's just one. That's just one aspect of why he says it's it's bad. It's you know that that's one thing. Uh, but the other thing he was talking about for players, like when you have a game, especially a game that is um, built for multiplayer, uh, if you have a bunch of people waiting for the game to drop in price, the game is going to flop because you don't have players playing the multiplayer. And that actually, that's, I've always wanted to ask any developer, especially one that makes a, a game that's that's heavily reliant on multiplayer, like... Like, how brave are you? Because your game is so reliant. Your game being a success is so reliant not on just people buying it, but people playing it. I mean, if you have a single-player game, you just kind of need people to buy it. But in a multiplayer game, not only do you need people to buy it, they need to buy it fast, and they need to they need to play it, too. That's a lot. Because, I mean, the, the, let's, let's say... The, okay, let's just say the swapper. Say they don't make the, the money that they put out for the game within the first three months or the first six months of the first year. There's still a chance as long as they keep the game on Steam that it's going to eventually pay itself off. Whereas if you have, like, let's say Insurgency 
uh, which is coming out soon. Well, the full game is coming out for Insurgency soon. Um, if people don't get that game when it first comes out and people don't play it, that game is going to die. That happened to uh, Special Forces Team X. Okay? That game was actually fun. I'm not going to say that it was a great game, but it was a good, fun game, I thought. And the community, like, I could see every day less and less and less people playing that game to the point where it just died. You know, and that was just a few weeks after it came out. Isn't that precisely why a lot of MMOs wind up going free to play? Because the free, you, you get the free people in there, and they're sort of your base community. And all they do is they come in, they, you know, they don't even have to buy any of the, the microtransactions or anything. All they have to do is be there and make it look like, you know, your game is a happening place. And then that gets the whales when they come in to be like, oh, hey, this place is pretty cool. Let me blow my money. And so, I mean, that's, you know, for, for a multiplayer game, that's kind of ultimately where you wind up in order to maintain that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's like, that's why free to play is so popular right now. Um, but we're talking like we're talking about specifically about sales and how they, or the 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 culture of game sales and how yeah. it's hurting you know devs and players. I mean for for devs of course like some of these games, you know, especially if you work for somebody like EA, you know, or you some like a major publisher, if your game doesn't make enough money in the, at the uh, you know within a certain amount of time, your studio might be closed. Yeah, you know. Like your, your studio might be closed down, or you might lose your job. Even though, like, let's say, over time, your game is as a financial success. You know, you they might you might still lose your job if your game doesn't make enough money in the first three months, because that's what they're really looking at. So that that's that's kind of where it hurts um, devs, I can imagine. Um, but still, like, he, I, this is the first argument I've seen for this. Um, and it, 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 in, a, in a way that that makes sense and doesn't feel biased, doesn't feel like he's just butthurt about you know sales. <laughs> no, I think there's there's one thing that he's missing though, and he kind of he doesn't focus on the psychological impact of sales. In so far as I mean, he talks about it a little bit as far as the you know he talks about the rising price model and saying you know like if you know that the game the price of a game is going to go up to a certain point you know that encourages you to say like hey I need to buy this now because it's going to go back up. But the other thing too that a big part of the Steam sales is that they don't just show you the price off like they don't just say like you know oh it's it's uh, you know um, uh, Bioshock Infinite you know it's uh, you know tw- you know nineteen ninety nine. They also tell you that it's you know fifty percent off or you know seventy five percent off or and that number there just seeing that I mean because I mean we all understand say, you know he does get into as I said like the time aspect knowing the price is going to go back up and we all understand sales are temporary but at the same time though like there's always the fact like I can get this at a discount and he does mention there are people that this kind of encourages players to just go out and instead of maybe buying one great $60 game they buy four you know $15 games that they're kind of interested in and wind up just sitting in their backlog um, which may not be a great purchase on their part but even aside from that just just the basic fact that sales you know the sales work because they encourage people to buy more that you know if you you go to the store you know you go to the store thinking i'm just gonna buy like a shirt for thirty dollars and you see oh hey i can buy you know three shirts at half off i might you know you might wind up buying that extra shirt just because it's you know it's on sale right and, you know you spend an extra fifteen dollars i mean that's that's just the you know the fundamental like psychological aspect of all this and, and I think he kind of he kind of misses that just looking at how 
sort of, you know, not really thinking that like there's, you know, inherent like excitement and, uh, you know, like a need to not, not, I shouldn't say a need to participate in sale, but just that, that premise that you can get, you know, everything at a reduced price, you know, it, it makes sales more of an event. And I mean, to a degree, it does result in people waiting for the sale, which we've seen, but I don't think that's something that you can like those kind of sales you can't replace with just sort of like a flat planned out. This is the price of my game over all time model that there is a certain, you know, like psychological surge that people get from, from buying games on sale. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, but that, you're just you're talking to the positives. Of course, there's positive aspects of game sales. Like, you know, there's yeah. some games that, you know, because they went on sale, they gained popularity, and now people are just buying the game because the the words out there so good. So, of course, there's po- there's positive aspects. I love game sales. There's tons of games I would not have without sales. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying sales are bad, but yeah. there are negative aspects to sales, and I think he hit yes. it on the head. Well, no, I'm just saying I think that was the one – like I, I feel like overall he wrote a well-structured argument. He just missed that one point because okay. he did, I think, at least address the other you know, critiques that I would have had. Fair enough. Fair enough, Nick. <laughs> okay, so our last topic for tonight is actually a uh, – it was a discussion I was on Joystick. And the discussion was should there be more female enemies in games? Uh, and there was a poll, or several polls, and they were asking questions like, do you feel uncomfortable killing women in video games? Uh, 14% said yes. Um, 62% or 63% pretty much said no. 22% said sometimes. Uh, if you identify as a woman, is killing a man in a video game different from killing a woman? 8.5% say yes. 80% says no. And 10% says sometimes. <laughs> if you identify as a man is killing a, a man in a video game different than killing a woman 15% say yes <laughs> I was going to say something really negative I'm going to keep that to myself 66.8% <laughs> say no and 17% say sometimes uh, should there be as many female as many female enemies in games as there are male uh, enemies. Um, so, uh, sorry, forty two percent said yes, sixteen point seven percent said no, and forty one percent said sometimes. How how do you answer sometimes to that? I That's think like well, a this binary is, question. This is how you answer sometimes because no, I, well I, I guess. Uh, uh, Here's the deal. Not every game is going to fit having equal male and female enemies. That's the thing. So I don't think the answer... The, the answer definitely should not be yes. But should it be no. no? No, no. I guess you're right, yeah. <laughs> but it's the way the questions... It's the way the questions worded. It's like, should there be as many... It's like, you know, if you say no, that means... Technically speaking, that means... No, you don't think there should be as many female... Um, enemies in games as male enemies in every game. That it kind of that's why sometimes is there. You know, it could. But the thing too, I mean, that's that's a. I really feel like this this question is just a stupid question, if only because too, like that doesn't encompass like. Do you think that there should be more women than men, in, like villains in games? Like, do you want all your villains to be women? Like, I feel like that technically counts as a no. But that sort of thinking is like against the spirit of what they're asking. The, the question was worded poorly, is what you're saying, Nick? 
It's a stupid question. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Is there a difference between killing humans, a female bandit in Skyrim, and non-humans, uh, and non-humans, a succubus in Castlevania? Um, 36% said yes, 49% said no, 13% said sometimes. I think that's a stupid question. Because the that. answer is going to be, it should be no. And the reason why the answer is no is because, is there a difference? No, there's a difference. You don't want to know why, Nick? Because I, I see the look on your face. Yeah. You want to know why? Because it's a goddamn video game. That's why. I will, <laughs> like, give, you, I will give you that. It, they're, uh, they're all enemies. They're enemy combatants. I would see. I know. I would still argue. I would still argue that like you can that you you can make the distinction. Like you know, eh, sometimes I sometimes I feel more bad killing a person than killing a you know like a succubus or like something that clearly does not exist. Wait a minute. Like, okay, first of all, I, I'm not talking about like you know Grand Theft Auto Five style torturing somebody who doesn't deserve it. I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about see, somebody. Who just got done trying to blow your head off, and now you feel bad about shooting back at him? I agree. That's why. That's why I feel like for all these questions, the answer is sometimes because gaming covers such a large scope. Like it's all about the presentation. Like if you've got a woman coming at you in the game, or even really in real life, if you've got somebody like a, a woman coming at you with like a shotgun and like a like a butcher's knife, like looking to kill you, like I would hope that you would not feel any moral compunction, like you know, <laughs> saving yourself. Like that's that's basic preservation. Like over oh, like. I'll never hit a woman, and then you just let her d- kill you. Like that would be that would be terrible. Um, but you know, conversely, I, I like I feel like the implication for a lot of these questions is: is it okay to kill like the big, the big bruiser? You know, you know the big you know male thug with the big muscles and possibly the huge guns, versus the poor helpless waif that's kind of like stuck by the side and just happened to be there. And it's like, oh hey, I can you know like kill you with my stray fire. Like that. I feel like that's kind of the like the implied way they're looking at this. And I mean, I know that they mentioned like the bandit in Skyrim is a very valid example of, you know, a, a female that ostensibly you shouldn't really be too concerned with killing. Um, but I, I feel like it, 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 it's all presentation. I feel like every one of these answers should have been sometimes with the exception of the one binary question, because yeah, if, if, you know, if the if the game presents it in such a fashion that it, it's compelling for me to want to kill the person, and you know, then by all means, yeah, I'll, you know, it's it's the game, and that you know, as much as I'm playing through the story, then yeah, then that's you know, if that's the direction the story's going, and that's what I want to do, then I'm all for it. See, when I when I, when I when I'm looking at these questions, I'm kind of thinking in the same like you know, a man and a woman in the same exact position. Like, is it okay to kill a man? Uh, or a woman that has done nothing to you in a video game, like, you know, innocent bystander, versus is it okay to kill a man or a woman equally if they both have weapons and are trying to kill you? And that, in that scenario, my answer is, like, definitely yes. Like, it's a, you know, or definitely no. But, um... They didn't word it that way, though. They didn't word it that way. Poorly, poorly asked questions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the last question about is there a difference between killing a human and a and a non-human? If you're talking about somebody who's trying to kill me or do bad things to me in the game, no, it's not a, no. I it's, would I would argue I would argue that there is because non-humans tend to have different ways of killing them. Sometimes you got to behead them. You can't just shoot them or stab them. Oh, you're talking about like non-human enemies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they still die. That's what <laughs> <it> really matters. <laughs> 
Yeah, but like, uh, I mean, it brought up a good question because we never see, I shouldn't say we never, but very, very, very rarely do we see female enemies in games. Um, like, you know, they brought up The Last of Us, which pretty much everybody you come across in that game that's bad as a male. There are no, apparently, there are apparently there are no bad females in that game, or no female survivors in, in that game. Um, you know, so you had that, uh, what else did we have, um, this year? Metal, Ge- Metal Gear, it always seems like they have, like, the one female boss, and then the rest all tend to be, like, you know, different male bosses. Well, yeah, that's know, right. Except for the last one. Four. But they were all, all, all yeah, they were all they were still all bosses though. All four of them. They were just bosses. Like he's talking about like the regular enemies in the game. Oh yeah, yeah true. Yeah. I mean I guess you could say, well, the guys have masks on, so you never really know. But then again, like they all have male voices. Yeah. But then again, they're all supposed to be generic, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um uh but uh yeah, and then they also bring up Tomb Raider here. The fact that, you know, they're all males there. Um, Shipwrecked. To- Tomb Raider, though, I feel like they were intentionally playing off that, the, the the sexual, like, stereotypes there. As far as, like, they wanted, like, they wanted to make, you know, Lara feel more, like, isolated and alone. And, and to have you be sort of the, you know, the, the weak female, and I'm using air quotes around that, you know, against these, you know, tough dudes again, you know, using air quotes, I think that was part of the mechanic they were going for. Like, that whole, you know, that whole, uh, the rape scene dust-up, that doesn't happen. It, it probably doesn't happen if that's a, you know, a female character, you know, roughing up Lara in that scene. So I, I, I kind of feel like, like, in that case, the story there, sort of, at least the story they were trying to tell, I think that lent itself to an excess of male characters against her. I mean, first of all, in Tomb Raider, there was no t- attempted rape scene. Uh, the well, scene, no, the, the, no, but no, yeah, but no, no, that no, no, that's why I said that. But but if if you play that footage and it's a woman in Lara, then nobody ever says like, "Oh, this is an attempted rape scene." Like, I don't think it it, re- it doesn't read that way at all. It doesn't read that way at all. But in reality, even with a male, it shouldn't have read that way because there's nothing about that scene that says this guy is gonna rape her. There's nothing about that scene. This, the, the, everything in that scene says this guy is going to kill her. And what happens if you just let the scene play out? He chokes her to death. He kills her. Okay. Actually, Last of Us has a scene where once you survive it, she kind of implies that this guy was going to try to rape her. But the scene never says that. All The entire time I'm playing that scene, my thought is if this guy catches me, then he's going to kill me. Okay, that's that's what I got from that entire scene. But then after it, it's she, she kind of she kind of implies that the the dude is is, is going to try to rape her. You know, well, it was trying to rape her, I should say. So, you know, in both those games, and those the both those games, um, actually, I don't think anybody really made a big stink about that being in The Last of Us. But you know, people obviously made a big stink about the Laura Croft one and something never happened. Now, it could be that because of the dust up, they took it out of the game. Um, you know, the way the scene was supposed to be. And, you know, the, I, you know, I could just be wrong about that, but I'm saying in the game, the way it was, that's just, you know, there there was no rape scene or attempted rape scene as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> going back to, to the task or I guess the matter at hand in terms of, you know, female villain representation, 
<laughs> as this would appear to be. Um, the way females are handled in games as enemies, even when there are some, typically aren't necessarily fair. Uh, and I'm not that, I'm not talking about just to the females themselves, but even to the players. Like I had a huge, huge, huge gripe with Shank Two in this one stage in the Amazon, uh, where pretty much all of the enemies you fight are females. And I cannot remember in Shank One if they did this with the females or not, because uh, there were a few stages where females would uh would pop in and out, but in this one stage in Shank Two, it was pretty much all females. And the biggest gripe I had was you could not pounce the females. You can pounce any other enemy in that game, except the females in this one level. And that's actually, uh, that can change the way you play the game. Like the way I typically play the game, because there are some times in Shank Shank 2 when you fight large crowds of people on that 2D plane, okay? And so one tactic you can use is to pounce one person, and then you can just shoot the shotgun back and keep the crowd back. You can crowd. You can do crowd control that way, um, while you're killing this one person. And like, if you're fighting a huge group, sometimes you just need to take one person out at a time, and that's the way to do it. But that was not possible in this stage in Shang Two. You could not pounce the females. If you pounce the female, you would she would immediately kick you off. And actually, that could kind of lead to you getting fucked up because she'll kick you off into a crowd, and now you have a bunch of people around you fighting you. So that wasn't fair to me as a player. It sounds it sounds to me like they were looking to make a stage where they removed the pounce mechanic and they worked up the whole females are immune to pounce. Let's make a whole stage with females then kind of as sort of the in-game explanation. Really? Yeah, but that's kind of a BS thing to do to a guy who's playing played through a game one with one method. Like don't give don't give me a tool and then suddenly take it away in a later stage. Yeah, it'll be different There's- if they if they took away different tools throughout the rest of the game. But they, that's the only thing they take away from you in the entire game, and it just happens to be on the stage with the female, with the females. Well, I think yeah, I think I, I, I think well, I, th- if, I can see how you're I can see how you're conflating the uh, the frustration over the loss of the mechanic with the sudden abundance of a specific type of enemy. And I'm not and I'm not at all saying this is good game design, but I would have to think that that was their thinking behind it because otherwise I can't understand. I like. I would have to think they would have to have been aware of that. That oh, we're making this entire stage, and it has all these women. I would have to think like that maybe led itself to be like, oh, we'll throw this in the Amazon rather than them saying like, oh, let's have an Amazon stage with all women, and not realize like, oh, and we're gonna completely wind up without a pounce mechanic for this stage. Uh, I don't know. I think if they looked, they probably played the pounce animation with the in the Amazon stage. They're like, uh, this doesn't look good let's just make it so they can't do it during this stage and not explain it exactly exactly like it's the same reason why in assassin's creed 3 ubisoft got rid of the um or they got rid of the scout mechanic they were going to allow you to scout people in that game yeah and they got rid of it because they were worried about what it would look like on youtube when people were scalping um where people were scalping um you know, have a bunch of you know, have a bunch of people that are just going around scalping people. They're worried about that. They said that to us <laughs> in, a, in a in a press briefing. <laughs> like so, that is definitely why they got rid of that mechanic. And I can only imagine that with Shank Two, it was the same thing. Like they were worried about how it was going to look if somebody was on YouTube jumping on these women and and pouncing on them. Because we all know, like, the general media and the, the public in general, all they have to see is one thing from a video game, and they say, oh, video game promotes violence against women. 
and they'll totally forget about the other hundreds of guys you just beat the shit out of to get to that stage. Well, no, they, they remember that because they use that when they need to just use the general video games for violence. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks. But, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about like, people will definitely use things like that to their, to their, uh, to their advantage to prove their points. Um, but that, that's the thing. Like, it's, it was unfair to me as a player going through that stage and having that mechanic taken away from me. I, I can see if different things were taken away throughout the game. Like, let's say one level I couldn't use the shotgun or another level I couldn't use um the chainsaw or something like that but no that was the only mechanic in the entire game that was taken away um and it drastically affected how i played the game and so so i'm saying like it's it's very rare that you have a game that has male and female characters and uh, enemies or actually kind of period male and female enemies and um they were they're treated you know the same from a player perspective I mean, these chicks, they were dangerous, and they were trying to kill me, and I can't, I can't use all my mechanics to pull them back. I mean, Bioshock Infinite had male and female characters, um, enemies, and you can, everybody gets, everybody dies when you shoot them in the face in that game. But even The Last of Us had um, designs for female hunters, and they, they were not in the game. They're not in the game. So that says a lot. Like I mean, that that right there says a lot. That they, they, I mean, you can there's there's female zombies, but there's not female hunters. You know, because there's a certain amount of evil that comes along with being a human that's doing what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? And I think uh, they're worried about how how it looked. I mean, sure. I mean, in my opinion, like, am I saying that there has to be more females, uh, female enemies in game? Not necessarily. If the story, if it fits the story, fine, do it. Don't. But I, what I don't want is for them to put it in. Or, you know, them to specifically omit females because of how it looks, or they're worried about players. You know, I guess not wanting to kill females. They're only okay with killing males, or you know, putting them in the game and then um, you know, nerfing what I can actually do to them as a player. Like what? What's fair is fair. These these chicks are trying to kill me. I should be able to kill them. It's not real life, you know. It's a video game. Here is a video game. Like I don't. I'm be honest with you. Like we're talking in this aspect of males and females and video games right now because that's the topic. But when I play a game and I'm fighting enemies and I'm killing enemies, I don't see men and women or aliens. I see enemy combatants. I see a challenge in front of me that has to be taken out. And I guess that I guess the, that's one of my arguments for, you know, video games promote violence. Like, for me, they don't. Like, it's just, it's a game. I don't get enjoyment from killing people. I get the enjoyment from a challenge being put in front of me and me getting past that challenge. That's part of my, that's part of my enjoyment for the games. See, but I, and I, I agree with you completely there. But I wonder if this is the kind of thing, though, where I know, like... In some of the games, like uh, Shadow of the Colossus, I remember early on I used to try to hit the horse with the sword. You couldn't do it, but I used to try. And I wonder if you, if maybe like the straight up, you know, like platformers or very object oriented games where it's like, okay, this is my mission, this is what I have to do. These people are in my way, you know, regardless of gender, they're going to die. You know, it's a little more clear cut. But I think you look at some of the more open world games where, again, you get like the Grand Theft Autos where you can just go up to random innocent people and you know, you know, kill them or you know can't really do much more than kill them i guess you can maybe just kind of pummel them until they run away um 
but and I, I think that might be maybe one of where more of the points of concern is because there, there you you're basically free to you know engage in you know like sociopathic behavior of just running up to somebody just start punching them. I think what is it in uh, in Saints Row three and and by no means by no means is Saints Row meant to be an accurate <laughs> representation of reality at all. Uh-huh. I mean I'm entire I, I'm entirely kind of picking the straw man here. But in Saints Row three, what is it? You, you're supposed to run around kicking men and women in the in the in the crotch. And yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a mission for that. There's an achievement for that, and you know, and and again, that's one of those things that without the context of knowing what Saints Row is, that looks terrible. I mean, you can just run up to somebody on the street and just punch them in the face, kick them in the crotch, and then you can taunt. And then it's like you know that I mean that that's and that's, that's fine not as long as you could do it to both men and women equally. <laughs> Yes. yes. And you know but what? There are going to be some people who just take advantage of that. There are totally going to be people to make advantage of Like, for example, in Sleeping Dogs, um, there are videos out there of guys just taking random women on the street and, like, abusing them. Like, you know, taking a chick and slamming her head in a door. You know, or, or throwing her into a river or something like that. Like, there's tons of guys who definitely do that. Um, but the fact is, in the game, you could grab anybody and do that. Like, it's not specifically targeted toward women actually i think the video that oh the scene that i saw the most was one where it like this chick breaks up with you and i oh i, I am i the only person who did not think to grab this chick and throw her under a car like, i just i just let her walk away like, i just let her walk away and so many i'm watching all these videos of these people who they just grab there and like you know they'll throw her through a windshield or throw her under a car or like beat the shit out of her but I oh, mean, she, bro- she broke up with all oh, because she, she broke, broke up, up with, with you, um, yeah. because technically speaking, you weren't necessarily faithful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's your fault. <laughs> well, the thing about sleeping dogs is the women in that game are your girlfriends. The sole purpose of the girlfriends in that game is to introduce you to mini games. So you're actually like, it's actually better for you. I mean, you have no choice like to to like whether or not you're going to cheat on them or not, because things just kind of happen. Or if you're going to get a new girlfriend. <laughs> I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure you're not the first person to say that. <laughs> Things just happened. It just, uh, I don't know what I was doing. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, you, like basically, like, the sole purpose of the girlfriends and, and uh, sleeping dogs was to, to bring forth extra mini games. If you did not go out on a date, like, let's say, like, there's this chick named Not Peng. In the game, her name was Not Ping. If you didn't go out with her, there's a certain mini game with the surveillance cameras that you wouldn't get. You know, if you didn't go out with the chick that everybody's slamming her head in the door, you won't get the uh, the karaoke mini game. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing about uh, the, the women in that game. Being they're 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 a tool for you to get mini games. I'm pretty sure Nita Sarkeesian will be talking about that at some point. And see, I think that that's actually a, a valid criticism, though, as far as the use of women as a tool more than actual full-fledged characters. But like you kind of pointed out, that's that's a different topic. That is that is a definitely a different topic. But yeah, I mean, if if the the way the game is set up, or if the story allows, like, sure, like, great, you could put more women as enemies. You could put all women as enemies. Like, you know, I don't give a fuck. Like, they're just enemy combatants to me. But I just don't want. I don't want to see some. You know, um. 
you know, oh, well, we have to put 50, you know, 50% of the characters have to be male, 50% of the characters have to be female, anything that messes up the story, that's kind of what we have to do, we'll write the story around it or make changes to the games, you know, based around that. There doesn't need to be, like, you know, gender affirmative action for video games. There doesn't need, I think it all depends on, like, how the game is built and how the story is. You know what I'm saying? I I think ideally, overall, Across all games, you want to hit that fifty percent, and you know, like at one specific game, can you know, you know, skew one way or another. I don't know if we're at the point where games overall are hitting that sort of fifty percent mark, but I think, I mean, yeah, it's 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 kind of not fair to sort of single out any any individual game because I mean, it's it's you know, it depends on the game they're trying to make and the story they're trying to tell. So, yeah, basically, yeah. I just don't want to. I just don't want to fuck up the games. That's all. Which I'm not saying adding females to the games will. I'm just saying be smart about it. So, so game gameplay and context is more important than just blindly killing a certain gender. Exactly. Is that okay? Answer. We're good. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. Okay. All right. Well, that is going to wrap the topics. Let's see what's coming out. Kind of a kind of a. Uh empty month, but there is uh, the definitive version of Tomb Raider coming out. Or Tomb Raider Gears of War edition. Um, then there is uh, Broken Age Part 1 is coming out. We'll have a review out for that uh, fairly soon. What's if I get the letter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what is that? Yeah, I mean, until February, I think that's kind of it. Like, uh, the HD version of Assassin's Creed came out this week. Uh, what is this thing called? The Sun at Night? Is this a point-and-click mm. game? Oh, no. Probably with a name like that. Yeah, I'm looking for images. Uh, with a name like The Sun at Night, I'm kind of interested in checking it out. No, it looks like a platformer. It looks like a platformer. Sure. With a robot. There's a robotic dog here. This fuck it. They're just making this shit up now. There's a robot dog platformer he's shooting a laser out of his shoulder it looks like i don't know <laughs> i would have to check this game out but other than that nah the, the, the january is pretty much done i think guys um mm-hmm. definitive tomb raider coming out if you have an, if you have a ps4 or an xbox one um but yeah okay well then that's gonna wrap us up for now uh thank you for listening as always you can catch us on soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons uh, you can catch us on iTunes. You can catch us on Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices for streaming and or downloading. Uh, we're on Twitter.com slash MTB site, Facebook.com slash Smash Those Buttons, and YouTube.com slash Smash Those Buttons. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week uh, with the regular MASHcast. So we will see you guys then. Have a great weekend, everybody. Toilets. Fuck Joel. We're out of here. We're done. Oh, don't even say anything. Who cares forever? We're done. We're done. (laughs) Later, guys.